Well, this morning, I want to continue into this series that we've been teaching about how the living Jesus is ruling and reigning even right now as John saw him in, uh, as, as recorded in Revelations. He is reigning as king and he's making a declaration over his creation where he's, hold, he's now bringing everything together in himself and he's saying, I am making everything brand new on the basis of my life, death, ministry and resurrection and ascension and um, he is making everything new lives are being changed communities are being transformed families are being um, just completely transformed by the love and the generosity of God through Jesus now right like right now people's lives are being transformed it's a it's a it's an amazing thing to be connected to what Jesus is doing right here right now and at the same time, it's a, it's, a, um, it's a powerful thing to continue to be caught up in the hope of what Jesus is doing and what Jesus will ultimately do and learning to live in the power of that hope as well, that in the end of the end, all things will be made new. And, and yet the power of the future ages has already crashed in upon us in Jesus. And so we, we get tastes of that. We get inbreakings of that. We get the veil torn back. And we see that reality of the kingdom of God. And it's, it's, an, it's a fantastic place to live as Jesus is doing that work right here and right now in the earth. Um, Scott did a great teaching last week. That was fantastic. Jump online and have a listen. If you haven't had a chance, jump online. The details are on the back of the notice there. It was a great teaching that Scott brought to us last week. And um, I want to encourage you to press into that. Um, this week, I want to talk about forgiveness. I want to talk about the value we here at Pine Rivers Vineyard, we are a people who God has fashioned to be like Jesus. And Jesus, peop- and, 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 and if there's one thing <laughs> among many, but if there's one thing if we want to highlight this morning on the person of Jesus Christ, is that we see in Jesus, God is saying, I feel... I, I forgive you of all sin. I forgive you. And I want to press into that today because God's inviting us here at PRV and has the long story in this place is one of the incredible generosity of God's forgiveness to people. And it continues to flow unending um, for people's lives. And I want to um, touch on that this morning. Paul writes in Colossians 3, Um, Verses 12 to 14, he says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness and humility, gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. And if you've got grievance against another, if you have any grievance against someone, forgive them as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. It's a good thing to live in a forgiveness culture and a forgiveness context and a forgiveness relationship with Jesus. Um, a number of years ago, I used to take teams of people up to, uh, up to Southeast Asia. There was about a 10-year window there where I'd travel two or three times a year and I'd spend time with different parts of Access Restricted Asia and work with the underground church and, and then also just work with um, the church growing in third world nations. And one of the things that I used to really enjoy doing was I would, 
take these teams of people and, uh, you know, primarily uh, from, from Australia, we'd get some people that join us from different parts of the world, but primarily from Australia, we'd take our team up there and one of the things that I would always do is I would always organise to take the team to go and spend time in the monasteries of the Buddhist priests. Because at the Buddhist priests, every year, or every, every year, every day, they would stop for coffee and they want to learn how to speak English, fluent English. And so I was like, well, our team can speak English. It might be a little Australianized, but we're good at speaking English. And so what we would do is we would take these teams in and we would sit with all of these Buddhist priests in the, that are in training and we would have coffee and lunch and, and chats with them. And it was really interesting to see how people prepared for that. There was lots of like, anxiety would manifest and people would be like, oh, we've never done this before. And one of the beautiful things after getting over the hump of all of that and actually getting into these Buddhist monasteries and sitting there as the people of Jesus communicating with these priests is that we would debrief with the team afterwards. And we would say, so tell us, what did you learn? And they would tell us things like this. They would say, you know what? They're people just like us. They have dreams for their lives. They have hopes for their lives. Some of them don't even want to be there. They're only there because of um, family of origin structure and because of their birth order. They actually have to be there, but they don't want to be there. One Buddhist priest I was in training I was talking to, he wants, he wants to be a soccer, a football player. He doesn't want to be a priest. He wants to be a football player. But because of his birth order, he had to go into the priesthood. And he was stuck in that family of origin system. And, and he, was, he was like, I'd do anything to be out of here and actually playing football. They would say things like... Um, I struggle with all of these types of daily realities, of provision, of where am I going to get my next meal from? Because contextually, they actually do have to go out on the street each day with a little bowl and hope that the people will put food in it so that they can get a feed each day. Now, culturally, they will get that food, no doubt. But they live from this simple existence of daily provision, of going out and looking. They're these kind of people that also, at the same time, they express these things like, we're in here, it's, it's a spiritual environment, but we're still looking for something real. I mean, these are all the sorts of things that everyday Aussies wrestles with. And what we would come out from those experiences, and we would pray with these people, and we would invite them to meet the reason why we're there, which is the person of Jesus, and we would pray with them that Jesus would make himself known to them. And then we would be on our way. Now, one of the beautiful things is that wherever you go, people are people. <laughs> Doesn't matter what tribe, what nation, what tongue, what language group, what spiritual practices they've got themselves deep into, whether they're recognized ones or fully demonic satanic ones they're people and people 
are the same world around. And they all express these baseline, fundamental needs. And the good news is that we believe that we have a good news message in the person of Jesus. And that is a big part of that good news message of Jesus to people that we visit wherever we do life, every single day of the week, is that Jesus is Lord and Jesus forgives you of your sin. Forgiveness of sin kind of tends to get a bit of a low ranking in terms of punch factor. <laughs> because fundamentally we all think we're really, you know, we're just good people at heart. We're really, you know, we're good people. But fundamentally we're broken people. And we need forgiveness. Forgiveness is that that transforming experience to be made relationally right with God, not just in theory, but reality. Like emotionally, psychologically, physically, relationally, okay with God. And we get that in Jesus when we connect with Jesus. And But one of the really powerful um, experiences for the person who is coming into relationship with God is to know that their sin is forgiven. If you've got your Bible, open it up to Luke's Gospel. And in Luke chapter 7, we're going to um, pick up on an account that Luke records of where Jesus goes to Simon the Pharisee's home for dinner. Um, So let's pick up verse 36 of Luke chapter 7. If you've got your phone app or your Bible out. Luke chapter 7, verse 36. Uh, And uh, so Jesus is going to visit Simon's house, Simon at his house. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and he reclined at the table... And a woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. And as she stood behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. And then she wiped them with her hair and she kissed them and she poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who, who had invited Jesus saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who's touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Now Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which one of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. 
You've judged correctly, Jesus said. And then he turned towards the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? Picking up from Scott's message last week, Do you see this woman? Do you see the kingdom in this moment? Do you actually have the capacity right now to squeeze out all of the preconceived noise and boxing that people have put over this person's life and framed them? Can you see this woman? I came into your house and you didn't give me any water for my feet. But she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not pour oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. And as a great love, as her great love has shown... But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus turns to her and he said, Your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say amongst themselves, Who is this in regards to Jesus? He even forgives sins. And Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. That's a really powerful encounter that Jesus has there at Simon's house. Simon is a Pharisee. What's a Pharisee? Well, a Pharisee is a member of an ancient Jewish sect distinguished by very strict observance to the traditional and written law of God. And they were commonly held to have a sense of superiority culturally in their context because they were able to behave according to the law. And so they held others in... Um, they, held, they, they projected that onto others and made others live up to their standards. Ultimately, though, in the biblical account of Jesus, if you follow the story of these guys, these Pharisees, these are the guys who ultimately took the greatest offence at Jesus. And these are the guys who ultimately were the ones who worked really busy to kill Jesus and get him on the cross. A Pharisee is very much judge, is someone that looks at others through the lens of Law behaviour. You are acceptable on the basis of you do this, you do this, you do this. If you don't, you're unacceptable. So it's interesting that this woman comes into the home. And um, the actions of this woman, there. it's interesting because when we read the text... When we read the text through a pharisaical lens, we look at that story and we think she's trying to earn forgiveness. 
But if we read this text through the lens of the grace of God through Jesus, as the Father sees this woman, these are the actions of a woman who has been forgiven. This is what forgiveness looks like when you've been forgiven much. You put yourself in socially awkward places and allow your love for Jesus to be made known. You bring all, you, you willing, the, the, the text talks about it, she um, wipes Jesus' feet with her tears and her hair. This is, I'm not sure if you know this, but for, you know, from what I understand, for women, the hair, it's a really important thing. Like, really important. And she's taking this most important part of her social acceptance and she's taking it and placing it on the feet, the feet of Jesus. She's posturing herself in a way that says, you have forgiven me so much. And with that, she takes this little jar of oil that she had around her neck and she breaks it open, which would have permeated the entire room, and pours it and, and anoints him with it. It's, it's an act of extravagance. It's an act of um, extreme extravagance. It's what you would call one of those really awkward public displays of affection. And yet, Jesus is really okay with that. The context was, you know, they were sitting around a table having dinner, but when we take, talk about sitting around the table, the table was probably only about this high off the ground, if that. And they were, li- they were reclining. They were reclining on their left side and they would eat with their right hand. And, and so their feet would be behind them. But the question was, what is even a woman like this doing in a Pharisee's home? How did she get in there? Well, you've got to understand in the culture of the day, when the Pharisees had meals, when they had dinner, when they put on the spread, because they were the ones who had the power, the influence and the money, they would let the, the lesser people come and get the crumbs. And then Jesus looks at this woman's activities and he, he says to Simon, do you see her? When I got here, you didn't, you didn't wash my feet, which was the socially appropriate thing to do. You, you didn't wash my feet. You didn't anoint me with fresh oil and make me feel welcome. You didn't give me a welcome kiss. You didn't. But this woman, this woman has just done an act of extreme extravagance because she understands that she's actually a woman who has been forgiven. And she's heard this good news of Jesus. She's followed him into this house where he's gone. And she gets in a free pass in there, not because of, well, because she's a lesser than person and she's allowed to have the crumbs. The overarching point that Jesus is trying to make to Simon and that Luke would have us as his audience know is that God welcomes people into his kingdom when they place and orientate their life towards the reality of Jesus and that the kingdom of God is now here in Jesus. 
right there in Jesus. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent, change your mind about God, and enter into the good news. When Jesus forgives people, they are freed from religious frameworks and expectations of acceptability to others and to God, and they're set free from behavior management, and they're now allowed to be people who are forgiven people and free people to be able to pour out their emotional, social, financial, uh, and every other all onto Jesus Christ as a fitting act of worship and lifestyle. Extravagance to Jesus. And it's interesting, isn't it, that at, at this point, when, when, uh, when Jesus is challenging Simon, and there's, I, I, you know, I do want to make a point here. There's no, there's no sinner's prayer. There's no close your eyes, repeat after me. This is a person who is encountering the person of Jesus, the King, the one who has taken on flesh and come and made his dwelling among us. And that to encounter Jesus is to encounter the kingdom and good news and an invitation to come and be reconciled to God. And this woman is restored to God. Right there at that dinner table. Without saying a sinner's prayer. Now that's going to push our evangelical buttons. But that's what happened. She just pours out her life on him. These are the actions of a person who has been forgiven. She's not trying to earn it. How do we be the kind of Jesus people who then are able, like Jesus, to create a lifestyle where people realise that by hanging around us, they hang around Jesus. And when they hang around us and they hang around Jesus, they get restored to Jesus. They come into relationship with Jesus. They're willing to pour their life out on Jesus. How do we become those kind of people? And then, I, you know, I, I want to touch on that in a minute. But the, the other wonderful thing is Jesus does make that declaration to her. He says, your sins are forgiven. The tense is it's done, not being done. You're done. You're forgiven. Isn't that amazing? There's something really powerful when you hear those words. There's a, there's a, a proclamation thing there that's really important to pay attention to, and I'll touch on that in a minute. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. That little go in peace thing, that's like the biggest, most powerful blessing that you could give anyone in the name of God. Go in peace. The Father of our Lord Jesus, go in peace. Um, <clears throat> so how do we start to be a people that forgive, like be a Jesus type of people? Because we're walking around every day with people like this. People who are hammered by guilt, hammered by shame, hammered by condemnation, living in unforgiving structures of family life, living in unforgiving work environments and world in contexts and 
you know, struggling for joy, have hopes, dreams, visions. We're, we're walking with people like this every day. How do we be the kind of Jesus people that bring the kingdom and then declare the forgiveness of God into their lives? Well, let's, um, let's see what we've got here. <clears throat> A really good place to start is by praying. You know, the disciples, they said, they wanted, to, they wanted to be like Jesus. And so one of the great things when they watched Jesus praying one day is they said, we want to be like you. Teach us to pray. He says, okay, well, when you pray, pray like this in Matthew chapter 6. And he gives them this great liturgy on how to pray, how to engage with God. And as they're doing that, in the midst of that, he says these words. And when you pray, pray like this. And forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. There it is, right there in the economy of God's relationships. How to do life. Well, a great place to start is learn how to pray, asking God to forgive you. Daily. I, 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 I count on the forgiveness of God for my life. I count on it. One of the, one of the really interesting um, um, spaces that Nicole and I get to live in uh, with regards to, you know, tripping around, teaching, ministering, and all of that sort of stuff is we find ourselves in front of people a lot, just like this. And <clears throat> it's amazing... It's amazing the opinions that people form of you when you stand up the front and then you get a bit of feedback. It's really interesting. And, um, and it's interesting the number of times people perceive you a certain way. But they haven't got a clue. You know, the Simon, the, the Pharisee thing is we tend to perceive people. We want to box them. We want to socially put them in that spot. We want to frame them because we want to be able to understand them and so forth. But it's interesting, the power of perception. And so I say, I, I, I don't even have to say anything sometimes and people have got an idea about who they think I am. I need the forgiveness of God to couch my life all the time. I also need to be able to forgive others for their perceptions of who we are and how we go about doing life when they've made a judgment. Pray. Start praying. God, teach me. Forgive me. Show me. And it's interesting where, where we are, the, 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 the link in Matthew 6 there between forgiving me and the ability to be able to forgive others. They're, they're connected. If you want to be able to forgive others, you've got to be able to ask God to forgive you. They're connected. Start talking with Jesus this week. If we want to be Jesus' kind of people who love going to dinner with anyone and everyone and all sorts of people, even those kind of people might be at dinner there with us and how awkward would that be to be seen with them? How do we 
be Jesus people in that environment and allow people to realise the good news of God for their lives? Well, start by praying. Forgive me, Lord, and help me to then forgive others. We pray, we proclaim. <clears throat> this idea of proclamation... Um, well, firstly, Jesus makes a proclamation. There's something powerful about the verbalization of a, of a, proclaim, a proclamation of, of what the Father is doing in someone's life. What you're doing is you're putting words to what the Spirit of God is already doing in someone's life. And you're literally pointing it out. You're proclaiming. As Jesus kind of people, in this, event, in this experience, Jesus is seeing the work of the Father on this woman's life and he's proclaiming, he's pointing to what is taking place, even as it's happening. There's a, there's a dynamic there. And in the proclamation, there's a hearing. And that there's something powerful about the hearing that needs to hear those words. I, you know, I clearly remember the day that I met Jesus and he just completely swallowed me up into his life. And after that whole experience, these people that were with me in the moment, they stood in front of me and they looked me in the eye and they said, just like Jesus said to that woman, mate, your sin, it's forgiven. I'll never forget it. I'll never forget it. There was something powerful that, that transacted in that moment in my heart as I was being born again. To know that the shame, the guilt, the condemnation, the failings, the anger, all of that just came lifting off, all because the mercy and the kindness of God. I was forgiven. My sin was forgiven. We are a people who have been commissioned to proclaim forgiveness sometimes when we're with people and they're beaten up on themselves they need to hear you know what all of that god forgives you and sets you free from all of that if you want they just need to hear it there's forgiveness for what you've done there's forgiveness for what's been done against you there's forgiveness here Sometimes people are just aching to hear that. We've been commissioned as the people of Jesus to proclaim forgiveness. Paul, in Acts chapter 13, he's, um, <clears throat> he goes to church with the, with the guys and he's in synagogue. And as he's in synagogue there, the, the leaders of the synagogue, they say, hey, we think you might have something to say. So Paul gets up. He says, here's what I've got to say. And he tells them the long story of Israel and their hunger for the Messiah who would atone for their sin and make all things right with God. And he takes them right through their own story and then he says, it's Jesus. He's the one you've been waiting for. And then he goes on and he says, therefore, my friends, I want you to know that through Jesus the forgiveness of sin is proclaimed to you too. There's something powerful about proclaiming forgiveness. You know, sometimes we, <clears throat> um, every now and then, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll stand in front of, with a group of people and I'll just make that proclamation over a group of people. 
your sin is forgiven. And it's amazing how that lands for people. Powerful. I've just had powerful testimonies of people coming back to me, feeding back to me. It's like, when you said that my sin was forgiven, it was like I got liberated, I got set free, I was able to move forward with my life. We've been commissioned to proclaim forgiveness to, to, to every obstruction that people present, to every reason why they shouldn't be acceptable to God. It's into that that we speak. Your sin, it's forgiven. It's so totally forgiven. That's the good news of God for your life. It's being proclaimed to you right now. There's something that we get to do when we partner. This, in the idea of proclaiming, We're actually enacting, we're partnering to, we're pointing with a reality that's taking place of what the Father is doing because Jesus will only do what he sees the Father doing and that's what we do. We do what the Father does. And then ultimately, what we see is in in Jesus is we see um, him on the cross and his words on the cross, not to an individual, not to a handful that were at the base of the cross, but to every human being from the cross, he's making the proclamation. The Father is forgiving you right now in this moment. It's a proclamation. I don't know if we realise we've got that in our like kit bag, our kingdom toolkit of walking life with people, is saying your sin's forgiven. Not because you said a few magical words, but I can clearly see the Father is invading your life with the kingdom of God and the mercy and the kindness of that kingdom, and it's turning your life around and you're here right now orientated towards Jesus. That's what we get to partner with God in, in the power of the Holy Spirit. We are the proclaimers of the forgiveness of sin. I find that in my partnering with God to continually proclaim forgiveness to others, it sets them free, and at the same time, it sets me free. I remember every moment I get to declare forgiveness to another that I am forgiven and that my Father has forgiven me. I walk in the power of forgiveness. And so can we all. And lastly, we get to go and do what Jesus did and does. We get to announce that the kingdom of God is at hand. We get to feed the poor. We get to cast out demons, heal the sick, and proclaim sin is forgiven. It's part of the kit. It's like trying to play golf with, with no driver. <laughs> you know, It's like you've got all the other clubs for the specific lengths of shot that need to be taken except for the driver. How am I going to get that ball 300 metres down there with a sand wedge? I'm not. I need the driver. I need the big club that's going to drive it down there. It's like trying to play golf with half a kit. The kingdom toolkit, one of the things in there is forgiveness of sin. You're forgiven. You get to proclaim it to yourself and you get to proclaim it to others. And you get to proclaim that to every single person that doesn't even believe it yet. That doesn't even believe it yet. You get to, as a messenger of the kingdom of God, proclaim that. 
into those people's lives and context. There is forgiveness here. We get to, like Paul, partner with Jesus in the power of the Spirit and, and send this message and ministry of forgiveness to people's hearts via their ears that they are forgiven. And in proclaiming forgiveness of sin, we actually then usher people into the power of their true identity in God. It's a, that's an amazing thing that happens in that, that account there where Luke's uh, recording at Simon, Jesus at Simon's house. And this woman, Jesus says to her, he says, your faith saved you. Go in peace. He's, he's, he's talking there about you have entered the kingdom of God now. You've entered the, the shalom of God. You have entered the hope of Israel. You have entered the purposes of God to make everything right and new. You've entered into that right now. Go in peace. That's what walking in peace is. You're walking in the rule and reign of God in all its fullness. You get to walk in that right now. We get to partner with bringing people into their true identity. And the thing is, the people that got to walk in that shalom of God, that peace of God, are the children of God, the children of Abraham, the children of God. And that is who we are. Thank goodness God has lavished his love upon us in Jesus Christ and made us his children, for that is who we are. 1 John tells us that. We're the children of God. We get to now walk in the generosity of our true identity as forgiven, new created people in Jesus. And we get to now walk that about in freedom. This morning, the Holy Spirit is wanting us to be reminded of the fact that God has done an amazing, um, just an amazing work here in this local church over many years where the generosity of God flows unhindered because we realise that we are a people who are forgiven by God. And now we get the joy of partnering with God in proclaiming that forgiveness to others and setting the captives free. We get to now partner with God in seeing people come alive into who they truly are through the power of forgiving sin. Some of us might be thinking, gosh, that's a, that's a bit presumptuous of us, isn't it, to be able to forgive sin? Well, no. You are the ambassadors of God that God has called in Jesus Christ to go and take his message of good news to the world. You are, the scripture says, you are the ambassadors of Christ. You are the little mini Jesuses running around the world, commissioned, authorised and empowered to do his work in his name, in his authority and with his conviction to be able to say, your sin is forgiven. It's not presumptuous. That's just true identity. That's just true identity. So let's, um, why don't we pray? Let's pray. <clears throat> let's pray. Let's stand and pray.